You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety who's in for Cordell Stewart today. On today's podcast, we're going to focus on injuries with Will Carroll and provide your fantasy fix. Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with Daryl Talley, the former linebacker, now a part of the NFL Legends community. Daryl, thanks so much for taking the time. How are you today? Uh, doing well. How are you guys doing? We are doing well, and we want to talk about your old team because I saw an article that quoted you this summer indicating you think that the Bills' new head coach, Sean McDermott, has a little bit of Marv Levy in him. What's the connection between the current head coach in Western New York and the iconic coach you played for? Well, the thing I see is they both pay attention to detail, and they want, they're going to hold you accountable for what you're doing. So and when you see that in a, guy, a young coach and you see that and you know what it means, you're happy for everybody because now you know everybody's going in the right direction. Everybody's going to be pulling on that chain or that rope in the same direction in which to get it moving. And they started out the year fairly well, and I think they're in good shape right now. Daryl, Nick Ferguson here. You know, uh, it was a pleasure watching you uh, growing up in Miami as a Miami Dolphin fan and watching your Bills uh, kind of ruined my childhood as you guys uh, went to, to consecutive <laughs> Super Bowl after Super Bowl. <laughs> but, uh, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, that that was just an argument between me and a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, was, it was great watching. But speaking of that, I want to talk about the defense. And in comparison to how you guys played and looking at the Buffalo Bills at the beginning of the season, it, it really looked from a defensive standpoint. When Sean McDermott came in, he put his his fingerprint on what they wanted to do, getting rid of some of the guys that Rex brought in. But over the past couple of weeks, we've seen, you know, things somewhat change. From what you've seen when you've been watching, what's been the biggest issue that they need to correct from a defensive standpoint moving forward? From from what I can see, they're, they're doing everything right, actually, to be honest with you. Guys have just gotten beat. And what's telling them now is they're not used to being on the field as much as they were on the field this past game. Um, from what I can see, what, what they've done is they've taken and given everybody a gap and sort of said, okay, here's the where we're going to be. Everybody's going to know where each other's going to be. We're going to be simple, and we're going to be straightforward. We're going to play gaps. You got this guy. Here's where we're playing coverage. You got him, and everybody has a spot to be in. And if you're not there and they run a particular pattern, and you can see right now, like a hide, it's probably even the league in interceptions right now. Daryl I mean, Talley is our guest on the NFL on Tunin. Yeah, Daryl, a lot was clicking for the Bills, and they were one of the better stories to start the year. And then, unfortunately, from the Buffalo point of view, not a great performance on Thursday Night Football, losing on the road to the Jets, and you know they got pushed around by the Saints. So felt like change was coming, but are you surprised of the timing to make this quarterback move? Tyrod Taylor's numbers weren't great. Still, a fifth-round pick, and Nathan Peterman's going to make his starting debut on the road in L.A., taking on the Chargers. What do you make of this change? I don't know. I don't know if something was wrong. Tyrod was hurt or something. Nick, I don't know. I don't know any of that. If I wish I was on the, in on the no on that one. That's kind of interesting to me. Um, it's going to be interesting. A young guy, I guess. You have to trust the process. I guess they think it's time to try this guy. I don't know. I can't answer that one. Well, well Dale, let, let's try this on for size. Uh, we've heard a lot of guys criticize the league as far as Thursday night football. Uh B. Webb just alluded to the fact that the Bills lost uh, at the at New York Met, MetLife Stadium against the New York Jets, a division rival. And Richie Incognito came out after in a postgame interview, and he had his cho- choice words about playing on Thursday night football. In your view, knowing as though, you know, what the league was at the time that you played and watching Thursday night football, do you think that somehow it's a detriment to players' health and that somehow contributes to uh, a team losing like the Bills lost against the Jets on Thursday night last week? I don't say it's attributing to their losing a game or anything like that, no. But um, honestly, the guys, I don't know. They give the guys so much time off in comparison to the way they play 
to the way the game was played when I played, to the way I see it now being done, like, we would say they were in a country club. <laughs> I would agree but, with you. You know, um, I don't know. I don't know if that's it. But what I think the problem is, guys have just gotten nicked. They're it's the middle part of the season, middle of the season, and guys are nicked, and everybody's a little sore, and they're not sure how they're going to deal with that yet. And they're just trying to figure out how to get through it and play through the soreness. Now, I expect guys to come back and be refreshed and be ready to go. I mean, you, you've had two bad games in a row. You have to look in the mirror. If you played well all year, you don't look in the mirror. When you, you look in the mirror every time you play well, so you better look in that mirror when you don't play well and find out what's going on and see what that guy's got to say that's in the mirror. Chatting with Daryl Towley, former Bills Pro Bowl linebacker, part of the NFL Legends community. We want to talk about the great work that our friends within the community are doing in a moment. Daryl, you were part of that Bills team that made it to four consecutive Super Bowls. Incredible achievement, win or lose. Do you think with all the parity we see now across the NFL, that will ever happen again, a team making it to the Super Bowl four straight years? I don't say, I don't say never because they told us it never could have been done. So we did it. So say it's possible. It's possible, but with the way everybody's moving around in free agency right now, I don't think so. Um, I thought probably what, a couple years ago, two years ago, I thought Seattle had a chance to do it. And I thought New England had a chance. Um, no, neither one did it. Well, Darrell, I want to back up for a second because you said something that I thought was uh, really important as it pertains to the Buffalo Bills and their two-game slump. Uh, in your day with, the, with uh, the Buffalo Bills playing with Jim Kelly and the Super Bowls you guys went to, you guys had some issues where, you know, things were not going right on the team as far as the win-loss uh, column is concerned. How did you guys handle the situations where you may have lost like two games in a row? How did you guys mentally, you know, come together in a locker room? Because I'm thinking maybe this is the thing, and you just kind of alluded to, that, <laughs> you, that, that the locker room they, needs to do. They did call us the bickering bills, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, so how did you guys normally handle the situations? You have a lot of type A personalities that believe that they can win. They can believe they can do anything. But if we're not all doing it on the same page and at the same time, it's not going to work. So we've got to sit down and come to grips with that and say, okay, look, we need this out of you. 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 You just tell everybody what you need out of them because guess what? That's the only way you're going to win. It takes, uh, it takes 53, 53 guys and a coaching staff to win on Sunday. And if they don't believe that, they'll learn real quickly that they will, their wins won't last very long. Finally, Daryl, it's a highlight every week to chat with a legend like yourself. What does it mean to you to be a part of the NFL Legends community? What are you taking away from this experience? What I'm taking away from it, it actually gives me a chance to give back some of the knowledge that I have to some of the younger guys coming into the league. And just to be able to share what I know with some younger guys so that they don't make the same mistakes I made along the way. And just to help them as much as I possibly can because I don't want to see anybody have, you know, fail at anything, especially a fellow player. Daryl, we really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for joining us today and hope you have a great weekend. Thank you, Daryl. All right, you're welcome. You guys have a great day. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. When it comes to a beer brewed to handle a Sunday full of touchdowns and St. Pump returns, and I can't believe he caught that, look for the light beer that's always brewed for more taste with only 96 calories. Miller Lite, the original light beer to be enjoyed from pregame to postgame. It's been a part of the game since it first showed up on the sidelines back in 1975. So when you reach for a light beer this game day, grab the one that won't fill you up and never compromises on taste, Miller Lite. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next up on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, we're joined by the injury expert, Will Carroll. Will, as always, we appreciate the time. Let's start with more pressing news in Green Bay. Packers picked up an important win on Sunday at Chicago. If they're still in playoff contention in the final weeks, do you think there's a chance Aaron Rodgers could come back from the broken collarbone? He was on the practice field yesterday for the first time. 
Well, absolutely. I think there, there's always been a good chance that he could return. The question was, is it going to be week 14, 15, 16, and whether or not uh, Hundley and, and McCarthy could keep this team in contention? Because if they're not, then, you know, if it's week 16 or 17, those are the games where you see teams going, well, not really worth the risk. Let's not bring it back. That's it. There's not going to be much risk. We'll know. Look, his, his collarbone is going to heal. Uh, he may not be Wolverine, but he's he's a normal human, more or less. Uh, that will heal. He's got the uh, the plate on there that's going to make sure it heals properly. So this isn't going to be a problem. What he's doing does show us that he's doing something. Now we haven't seen him doing any overhead throwing. We haven't seen him doing anything in terms of contact. But they're not worried about him doing you know basic physical things like taking a snap uh, or running around. And the running is really the one that intrigued me more because that shows they're not worried about the placement uh, of that uh, plate, that they're seeing good healing because, you know, just running jostles that bone a good bit. Uh, so, yeah, I do think he's going to be back, be back sooner rather than later. But remember, sooner is probably week 14 at the earliest. Well, Nick Ferguson here. You know, Danny Woodhead went out at the beginning of the season with a torn hamstring. He's expected to uh, return this week. Uh, how much do you expect for him to play and how effective do you think he will be? And the reason I ask that question, because yeah. we're talking about the colder parts of the month and of the year, that is. And usually soft tissue injuries are the ones that you worry about the most because they can set you back just running the ball and that that is position. So how much can we expect out of Danny Woodhead? Yeah, th- you know, this week. Anytime somebody's coming back, especially from a major injury like that, you worry, are they going to ease him in? That's good for him physically. You plan for that as a team from a fantasy football standpoint. You hate that because uh, we just don't know. So I think they're going to ease him back in. I think he's going to be able to play. I think they have confidence that there's not going to be a problem. You're right. Cold weather, usually an issue, especially for uh, uh, soft tissues. You worry about the location of it. This was a very low hamstring strain, uh, away from the body, more towards the knee. Now, that sounds bad, and it is. I mean, you certainly don't want it. But, uh, you know, at that area, the hamstring is actually made up of a number of muscles. And one of those muscles, there's a tendon that goes down behind the knee. That's actually one of the ones they harvest uh, for, for uh, other things. Tommy John surgery, I've seen him use that. Um, so it's a redundant ligament. Uh, or excuse me, tendon, uh, that they can use to replace the ligament. Uh, so you know, even in the worst case where it completely tears away, uh, you can come back. You, having two out of three muscles isn't that bad a thing. You saw uh, Drew Brees, when he had his near-complete rotator cuff tear, that, that's made up of four muscles, and one was completely gone and retracted. They didn't bother to uh, put that back on. So... Uh, the body has some redundant systems in there. I think Woodhead is going to be limited in terms of what we're used to seeing from him. What I want to see is that quick burst and that lateral motion. Once I see that back, uh, yeah, I'd love to see it on the practice field, but once I see it back in a game, I'm going to feel pretty good about him. Chatting with our injury analyst, one of the best in the business, Will Carroll, Media Relations Director for Modus Global. Well, another Green Bay topic to discuss Aaron Jones was having a quality rookie season for the Packers, went down with that knee injury. Can you remind our listeners of the difference between an injury involving the MCL and the ACL? Yeah, there are four major ligaments uh, of the knee. You can think of them as front and back, right and left, or out is a better way to think of it. The anterior cruciate ligament, or ACL, is the one that's in the front. Uh, Posterior cruciate is in the back. Medial meaning inside, so that's on the inside of both knees. Uh, and, and the lateral collateral ligament, or LCL, is on the outside. All four of them work together uh, to stabilize that knee in all four directions. You know, if you hit it diagonally, you're going to stress two of them uh, more than the others. So it, it really helps make the knee stable. But remember, there's other systems in there. There's muscles, there's tendons. Uh, just the structure of the leg itself with the bones uh, helps stabilize it. When a ligament gets torn, that means it's been pushed well past the breaking point, that those fibers are starting to come apart. So the MCL, the one on the inside of the knee, is stressed most from a hit on the outside of the leg because it opens that ligament up. Uh, You know, if you picture yourself being hit on the outside of the leg and how your knee is going to move, 
that that MCL is where it is. And you can obviously see why the MCL is hit more often because people are hitting you from the outside rather than from the inside more often. Now, the other thing to keep in mind here, the same kind of picture of this, unless you're driving, of course, um, when you, when you get hit in your knee, your foot tends to lift up a little bit and you'll feel, you know, if, if your whole system collapses, there's going to be some stress on your hip, but there's also going to be some stress on your ankle. Now, not if you roll your, your knee or your ankle outward, that's where you get a regular old sprained ankle, like we're used to talking. But when it comes the other way, when it rolls internally, that's where you get uh, a high ankle sprain. And, and so that I'm actually as concerned with, with the MCL for Jones. Yeah, they're, they're going deep in the roster, and I'm just not sure how the Packers are going to keep doing things. Uh, Jones looked like such a find uh, this year. Great draft pick, uh, certainly great production, but he's going to miss a little while with the, these two injuries rather than just, just the knee. Well, when you look at the Denver Broncos, they've lost five games in a row, and they play their arch rival, uh, New England Patriots on Sunday Night Football, and there was a particular interesting play that involved Brock Osweiler where he flopped on the ground, or sort of like NBA players or soccer players, and he ended up doing something to, I believe, his throwing shoulder. What more do you know about uh, that injury, and will he play this week uh, at home against the Cincinnati Bengals? Yeah, good question. I'm still waiting because they're West Coast. I haven't seen the practice reports for them today. I'm curious to see whether he was out there and throwing or whether he was still limited. But we've seen this time and time and time and time and time again with especially quarterbacks, but other players as well. Uh, The shoulder joint itself is exposed. Shoulder pads don't help. You can talk about uh, Jameis Winston this year. You can talk about Tom Brady this year. You can talk about Aaron Rodgers this year. You can talk about Andrew Luck this year and last year and the year before, uh, all these guys are having the same sort of mechanism. They're landing on their shoulder and something happens. If it moves uh, a certain way, you're going to get an AC sprain, like what happened with Jameis Winston. If it moves inward, you're going to break your collarbone. You're going to get, we've seen actual shoulder fractures where it fractures the the socket of the joint itself. So those are pretty extreme. Uh, And if it rolls back, you're going to damage your labrum. So none of those are good, and there's just no way to protect the shoulder uh, short of Tony Stark sharing his Iron Man suit. So uh, (laughs) this is a tough one, and there's just no way to protect it. It was obviously an awkward play, uh, obviously an odd play, but this is not an uncommon play. And right now, for me, this is one of the emerging medical questions. What can we do to protect these quarterbacks short of saying you can't hit them? Injury analyst Will Carroll is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Will, one more quarterback issue to examine. Drew Stanton got hurt in that very tough-to-watch Thursday night game with so many individuals going down the headline, the end of the season for Richard Sherman with the Achilles rupture. Stanton does get the benefit of a few extra days coming off Thursday night football. We don't have much information in general. How do you describe a minor knee injury with the old joke, it's only a minor injury if it's not happening to you? Yeah, minor surgery is when it's the other guy. Um, with, With this, there actually tends to be, and with the Arizona medical staff, this, this actually is a thing. Normally, uh, when we're speaking medically about ligament injuries or uh, tendon or muscle injuries, we talk about them in a grade, grade one, grade two, grade three. Grade one is, you know, it's minor, and you'll often hear it referred to as minor or mild. With a grade two, there's more damage. There's more fibers that have actually come apart. Uh, you, know, you, you talk about an incomplete tear in that case. Uh, that's where you often hear moderate, me, my, you know, you, you hear mild to moderate. You'll hear talk about grade two, grade two minus, things like that. Grade three is a rupture. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Richard Sherman knows what a grade three is. That's where they come apart or where it's just hanging there by a literal thread. So when you hear somebody say mild or minor, it's usually at the low end. It's a grade one, a grade one plus. Uh, which means it should be relatively easy to come back from. Uh, even with a, an ACL injury, um, there, there's more stability there. Again, we talked about the four knee ligaments and all the other structures. The knee is very, very stable, especially in an athletic guy like Stanton. Uh, you might not think of him as the most athletic guy, but he's an NFL player. So there's a high degree of athleticism, a good strength and stability base to work from. 
So I don't think he's going to play this week. I think we get to see the magic of Blaine Gabbert once again. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I do think Stan isn't going to be out. Oh, speaking of magical, we could use David Copperfield to try to make that quarterback situation disappear. Will, great information as always. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. We'll chat with you next Friday on the NFL on TuneIn. Thanks a lot, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake it to block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's welcome in Mike Wabshaw of the Vikings Entertainment Network. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time. Let's start with the QB announcement made by head coach Mike Zimmer yesterday. What did you take away from his interaction with the media during the press conference? He did not share a lot of information about why he was sticking with Case Keenum. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I mean, you know, Coach Zimmer is uh, probably wisely uh, one of those coaches who, um, you know, he likes to keep his cards close to his best. You know, he's he's not going to really divulge much unless he thinks it's going to benefit him down the road or unless he thinks it doesn't matter if he divulges it or not. And and that's probably the right right way to approach it. It's also odd, you know, a quarterback who's 5-2 and two as a starter and is on a five-game winning streak has to be announced as the starter. That's also kind of an odd situation. So, you know, the whole thing is, is just a, a little bit um, odd, I guess, is the right word for it. But, um, you know, I think that – I think Zim came to the conclusion or had known the whole time that Case is the guy who gives his team a best chance to beat the Rams this week. And, you know, we all get to kind of look at the big picture as often as we want and look at the landscape of the NFC and try and project who of the teams with seven wins, which there are five of them in the NFC, is going to be in it to win it down the stretch. But the coaches, they're all about winning the game this week, and that's it. And that's what this decision comes down to, is what gives the Vikings the best chance to beat the Rams on Sunday. And obviously Zimmer decides that it's, it's Case Keenum who gives his team the best shot. Mike, Nick Ferguson here. When you look at the season so far, we're in week 11. Who you have slated as your top uh, five wide receivers? For the Vikings? No, just overall. Oh, in the league? Man, that's a good question. You know, I think we fall we fall into we fall very easily into just naming all the guys who are always there. Jordy Nelson and Julio Jones and Odell and um, you know, just the guys that we're accustomed to seeing. But I think when you actually look at, at production, you know, you, if, you, if you just put up the stats and don't put a picture next to it, Antonio Brown and Adam Thielen have about the same statistics this season. Yeah, isn't that incredible, so it, Mike? It is incredible, and that's, that's, that's how this league works. It's, um, you know, it's a, it's a week-to-week league. It's a year-to-year league um, for sure. Uh, you know, for me, for my money, I think Antonio Brown is about as good a receiver as there is in the league right now. Um, so I, I would put him up in my top five for sure. I would put Julio Jones in my top five. I really think Larry Fitzgerald is still um, running on all cylinders, so I'd have a, I'd have a hard time taking him out. Um, but you know, look at a guy like Adam Thielen. He's got the numbers. But then I look at a guy like Stephon Diggs. He has top five-like ability. Um, you know, but if you're going to ask me to pinpoint, um, you know, as many as I could in the top five, I think you got to start with Antonio Brown. I think you should um, you should include Julio Jones, and um, I think those would be my top two. Now, Odell Beckham Jr. is injured, so I don't think we can include him. But if he's healthy, he's enough. I still have a lot of respect for how Jordy Nelson plays the game. He's always a tough guard for us when we play the Packers, so I'd throw him in there. Um, you know, and I think, you know, a couple of guys from the AFC that I, that I think are tough, you know, I think Michael Crabtree is a really good receiver. I have a lot of respect for, uh, for his game. And I think Demarius Thomas is, um, you know, is probably an example of a receiver who's playing on a team that's struggling at quarterback. But if you gave him a really good quarterback like he had when Peyton Manning was playing for them, you know, I think Demarius Thomas is really good too. 
Mike, there's a reason why I ask you that. And, and the reason that I ask you that, because we've seen over the course of the season for the Minnesota Vikings, the level of chemistry that has developed between Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. And I wanted you to yeah. set that baseline as far as where you see the top wide receivers and where do those two guys actually fit in in that top five. Yeah, I think it's it's really easy to sort of underrate them, Nick, you know. and But on Sundays, they're out there, they're playing. I mean, you ask the Redskins, you ask the Browns, you ask the Packers. You know, they think Adam Thielen's really good and probably a top five guy, you know I mean, because he's been producing against them. I remember um, when we opened U.S. Bank Stadium last season, um, Stephon Diggs had a heck of a game against the Green Bay Packers. Stephon Diggs had like 140 yards at Washington last year. So, you know, I think when called upon and when targeted 10, 12 times, I think both Thielen and Diggs have top five ability. I don't think you see it week in and week out because the Vikings have a number of guys on offense that they can lean on based on who they're playing. If they need, um, if they're facing a certain type of coverage, they might lean on Thielen. If they're facing a different type of coverage, it might be more Rudolph. And if they're facing a team with a bunch of really good corners, you know, they can rely on Jarek McKinnon uh, out of the backfield. So I think Case Keenum is just doing a really good job of spreading the ball around. That's helping the offense in general, but it can take away from one guy emerging as the guy. Spotlighting what's working in Minnesota with Mike Walbshaw from the Vikings Entertainment Network and the Vikings team channel here on TuneIn. Mike, what does it say about the quality of this offensive line and the comparative health after all the issues a year ago that even though Dalvin Cook was lost for the rest of the season after his outstanding start to his rookie year, the ground game has still been solid? Yeah. You know, and the Vikings got a goal line rushing touchdown uh, with Latavius Murray in Washington, and that's an area where they really struggled last season. And that's why they went out and signed Latavius Murray as a goal line type of back, a short yardage back. And that's why they signed Riley Reef, who's a bit of a a road grader as a tackle. And and same with Mike Remmers, and they drafted Pat Elfline. You said the word health. They're healthy this year. That's a big reason for the improvement. Uh, another reason for the improvement is I think Pat Shermer, our offensive coordinator, and Tony Sperano, the offensive line coach, got together and figured out a hybrid system of zone blocking and, and gap scheme. And they use a little bit of both. And when McKinnon is in, they use a little more of one. And when Murray is in, they use a little more of the other. When they play an odd man front, they go one way. And when they play an even man front, they go the other way. I think they really got a nice thing going right now. And I think they have an offensive line that's athletic, that can get to the second level in the running game, and can get out in space and block little people in the screen game. And I think that athleticism and those fresh faces, like Mike Remmers, Riley Reef, and Pat Offline, is really kind of spurring the improvement with the offensive line. Mike, usually what happens when a team goes on a run and uh, the Vikings seem to be on a run of their own, a lot of the negative things as far as deficiencies are overlooked. When you watch this team, what is it some things that they definitely need to make sure that they shore up before they get to the back end of this uh, 2017 season? Yeah, you know, that's, um, that, that's a good question uh, because you're right. When you're on a big winning streak, everyone's talking about how great you are. And, you know, you can, you can forget about some, some of the things that you're not great at. So I think you bring up a good point. You know, particularly going against the Rams this week, I think the Vikings defense has to be careful on big plays. You know, they do such a good job of running up and tackling and keeping things in front of them. And, um, and they have to be careful not to give up the big play because there's nothing worse than dominating an opponent. You know what? It happened to the Houston Texans last week when they were playing the Rams. I mean, the Houston Texans defense did a great job in the first half of holding down Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, and that explosive Rams offense. But midway through the third quarter, they give up a 94-yard touchdown to Robert Woods, and the floodgates open. That's what happens with big plays. The Vikings gave up five plays of 25 yards or longer against the Redskins. You cannot do that against the Rams. So the Vikings have to shore that up, not just this week, but going down the stretch. You know, I'd really like to see the defense create more turnovers as well. And I think that turnovers are the product of playing good defense and eventually they come so you can't force it because when you try and force that i think you can make mistakes so the vikings on defense have to remain patient keep playing good defense and i think those turnovers will come will come offensively i still think they got to chip away at the running game and get a little bit better case keenum is so good on play action passing i mean i look at some of the stats after wins 
and Case Keenum's passer rating is always north of 100 on play-action passing. But if you can't run the ball for three and a half and four yards of carry, eventually teams are not going to bite on the play-action pass, and I think that would really hurt Case Keenum. So I still want the Vikings to chip away at that running game. Mike, thanks so much for the great information. Enjoy what should be a tremendous game on Sunday, and we look forward to chatting with you next week again here on the NFL on TuneIn. I look forward to it as well. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Hi, this is Ned Coletti from MLB on TuneIn, inviting you to check out my new audio book, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. The day Frank McCourt made me the 10th general manager in the long, proud history of the Los Angeles Dodgers, November 15th, 2005, was monumental for the Coletti family. I've been blessed to spend the last 35 years in Major League Baseball, all with iconic franchises, the Cubs the Giants, and the Dodgers, where I was a general manager for nine seasons. In the big chair, I let listeners in on the intricacies of being an executive and a GM of a major sports franchise, share the process behind the trades, free agency, and the deals, shedding some light on how the money and decision-making really works. I'll also take you deep inside some of the thought process behind some of the major decisions that led to the success and titles, along with heartbreak and failure. If you're a baseball fan, come for the inside and grit. If you're a sports fan, stay for the heart. Catch every exciting chapter of my new audiobook, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We roll on on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time for the Fantasy Fix. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. He goes to the near side, and it's picked off, intercepted. From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy fix. Today, we're pleased to be joined by an old friend. It's Raymond Summerlin from rotoworld.com. Ray, we appreciate you taking the time. Let's start with Thursday Night Football. Fantasy owners who drafted Corey Davis probably have been disappointed because of the hamstring injury. The Titans' first-round pick has been largely unavailable, but he's getting healthier. So what's the fantasy outlook tonight against a Pittsburgh secondary that won't have Joe Hayden? Well, that does help in the injuries they have in the secondary. Mike Mitchell, I also believe, is going to set. That helps them out quite a bit. But this is still a, a very good pass defense. They did give up some long plays to the Colts last week, especially you know that touchdown to Dante Moncrief. But I still think that this is a tough matchup for Corey Davis. It's a tough matchup for the Tennessee passing game. And though I like how many targets he's been getting at 10 targets last week, he's been playing as many snaps as Rashard Matthews, clearly the kind of 1B to Rashard Matthews 1A. I don't know if the breakout's going to come this week. I still think he's more like a you know, wide receiver three in that kind of top 35 range. However, their schedule coming up is very good. So if he's out there in the waiver wire, there are still a lot of leagues in which that's the case. I don't understand why then go pick them up because their playoff schedule down the stretch is just great. Right. We've seen some sensational plays made by the wide receivers in Minnesota, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, who, once again, is not a household name, but he continues to make plays. But the person who's delivering these passes is Case Keenum. Will Case Keenum continue to hold his value in fantasy football? And if you're someone that doesn't have Case Keenum on your roster, would you go out? and get Case Keenum on your roster now looking at his numbers? I would say on Monday I would have said absolutely yes. But the problem you have now is they were very iffy. Even coming off that performance, he did throw two interceptions in the second half, which kind of changed the game a little bit. But even coming out to that performance against Washington, they've been very wishy-washy. They didn't announce that he would be the starter until Wednesday. It seems like they really want to see what Teddy Bridgewater can do coming off that injury, which makes sense because Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a free agent. Sam Bradford's going to be a free agent. Case Keenum probably is not the future. They need to figure out what's going on. I'm really concerned about Case Keenum not just losing the starting job in two weeks, but if something were to go wrong, and this is a tough matchup against the Rams, if something were to go wrong, him even being benched in the middle of the game, which obviously is that's a fantasy killer. That's something you never want to see in your lineups. So I'm really concerned about Case Keenum this week in a bad matchup with what's going on. And then even just moving forward, how long is he actually going to be the quarterback? I don't think we can, I don't think anybody except for maybe Mike Zimmer can confidently answer that question. Talking fantasy with Raymond Summerlin from rotoworld.com. 
Ray, we're looking for a long-term view here with the playoffs. Playoffs and fantasy football not too far away. Would you consider an exotic proposition of picking up Josh Gordon, stashing him on your bench with the hope he's going to be activated before the season's over? Well, I think it, it really depends on what your team is. If you have a, a juggernaut that's headed to the playoffs and you can afford wasting a bench spot on him for at least the next three weeks because, you know, they say that he can return and he's eligible to return in week 13. Doesn't necessarily mean he will. You're certainly not going to feel comfortable playing him once he is back. So he's going to be sitting on your bench for a while. Then, yes, go and do that. But if you're a team that is fighting for a playoff spot, you need every available bench spot, then I, I would say no. He is a... He is almost the definition of a luxury ad. And what I will say, I know everybody's going to get excited to get this guy back because he was so spectacular. You know, we remember all those years ago how great he was. He hasn't played an NFL snap since 2014. That is a huge, huge layoff. And we've seen some players come back off those big layoffs recently. Zach Miller's a good example. Um, Tim Hightower did the same thing. But that's a massive, massive layoff. And I'm worried how effective he's going to be, especially – with Corey Coleman there, probably going to remain the number one receiver. Ray, does Martellus Bennett carry any value in fantasy football as long as Rob Gronkowski is healthy? And we know that Rob is definitely a red zone target for Tom Brady. Well, and, and you know what's interesting? Bennett was last year as well. I, I don't know how healthy Bennett is. I don't know how much he has left. You know, He did come back and immediately catch some passes last week. I think the concern with Bennett is the targets just aren't going to be there. They have so many mouths to feed in that offense. You're talking about Brandon Cooks. You're talking about Chris Hogan. Whenever he gets back, obviously Gronkowski. And then the running backs. I mean, Rex Burkhead, James White, those guys are heavily involved in the passing game. I don't see it. And maybe in deep leagues where you use two tight ends, then you might be interested in it. I, just, I don't see he's going to get enough volume to really be useful as long as Rob Gronkowski's out there. Fantasy Fix with Ray Summerlin from RotoWorld.com. Ray, with Thursday Night Football coming up tonight, let's go back to last week. Adrian Peterson had one of the worst fantasy football performances in recent memory. It was a tough night for people. Thought he was back based on a handful of solid games for the future Hall, future Hall of Famers. So what are you doing with Peterson moving forward? Are you looking at matchups or are you just saying bye-bye AP? Well, I think with him, and you know, it didn't work out last Thursday. He got the carries. That's the that's the concerning part. It wasn't like they he was game scripted out of the game, and he you know he ended up getting didn't end up getting carries like what happened against the Rams. It was that he got the carries, and he, they just couldn't do anything. And that's a big concern moving forward, especially with DJ Humphreys now out for the season. But I do think that his is going to be a story of game script. If it looks like a game that they're going to be able to stay in it, and I think that this week against Houston, it certainly looks like one they will then you're going to be able to use them simply because running backs do not get 20 carries anymore in today's NFL. It's not something that happens very – it's not something that happens every week with every running back. So you, those kind of volume guys, you just kind of have to use them, plug your nose and hope for the best. And he's shown that you know, in better matchups he could be effective. So I think that this week, moving forward, as long as you have a good idea they're going to stay in the game, I think he's someone you'll be able to use. Ray, last week we saw you know Mitchell Trubisky make his – not to say debut, but as a rookie guy, quarterback, guy at quarterback, he played decent against the Green Bay Packers. But we also saw Brett Hundley get Notch's first win as a starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. From anything you saw last week, is there anything to believe that either quarterback is worth having on your roster? I don't really think so. I mean, it's, I think it's very telling that we look at Mitchell Trubisky throwing for 297 yards and a touchdown as a as a really good game for him. I mean, that's that's not even a, a top 12, probably not even top 15 fantasy game, but it was certainly more than what we've seen in the past. And they have shown that you know if they can hide him, if they can use the running game, they're going to do it. They haven't been able to the last couple of weeks, but we'll see what happens. And that's not really a game I'm interested in playing. Brett Hundley's more interesting because he does something that that we really like to see from quarterbacks. He's been able to create with his legs, but now he's dealing with a now he's dealing with an injury. Their matchup the next couple of weeks with the Ravens and Steelers is not good. Maybe after that they get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have been playing better on defense. We'll see where they are there. But maybe in that matchup, maybe against Cleveland after that, you're interested. But these next two weeks with the Ravens and the Steelers, those matchups, I just don't see how you can get very excited about it. Ray, we appreciate the information. Always good to have you on the program. Thanks for giving us a few minutes again today on the NFL on TuneIn.
Thank you very much. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. When it comes to a beer brewed to handle a Sunday full of touchdowns and St. Pump returns, and I can't believe he caught that, look for the light beer that's always brewed for more taste with only 96 calories. Miller Lite, the original light beer to be enjoyed from pregame to postgame. It's been a part of the game since it first showed up on the sidelines back in 1975. So when you reach for a light beer this game day, grab the one that won't fill you up and never compromises on taste, Miller Lite. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's dive deeper into Thursday night's matchup between the Titans and Steelers, focusing on our original team player, Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. It's NFL No Huddle, spotlighting the stars of the game who played their hearts out for one team their entire career. It's the original team player, presented by Miller Lite. Steelers took Ben Roethlisberger in the first round of the 2004 draft with the 11th overall pick coming out of Miami of Ohio. Nick, you were in the league then. Looking back, what stood out to you about Ben's early days in Pittsburgh? Certainly helped that he had Jerome Bettis to give the football to. Yeah, it definitely helps that the fact that he had Jerome Bettis to give the ball to. And I played against uh, Ben Roethlisberger uh, a lot in my career, especially Spending time in Denver and both our teams meeting at some point in the playoffs and playing in a critical game uh, for seeding in the playoffs. And the, the thing that stand out to me about Big Ben is that he's a fearless quarterback. And I know we talk about Peyton Manning and Tom Brady as being those type of quarterbacks, but he did it as a, a young player in the league. And 05, 06, I remember playing against Ben, Big Ben and the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were the sixth seed. Uh, coming into our building after escaping uh, the Indianapolis Colts. And, you know, one of the things that we often worry about was that, you know, Big Ben is a big guy. And he's not like a Cam Newton where he's just kind of uh, very agile on his feet. But uh, his size allows him to bounce off of would-be tacklers, whether it's safeties, linebackers, or even, you know, D-linemen. And the idea was we had to kind of keep him inside the pocket. There was a play that I go back to that kind of is still, you know, burned in my mind is that the idea was that uh, we, we told Courtney Brown and Ebenezer Ekubon not to let Big Ben get outside the pocket because every quarterback has uh, a, a special side that they like to escape to. And that's usually to the left side for Big Ben. So he's escaping to his left side. Both Champ Bailey and I are covering Heinz Ward and this cover too. So we have him locked up inside the red zone. Then all of a sudden, we both can see Big Ben escape the pocket. Champ Bailey leaves and runs to stop Big Ben as he looks like he's going to cross the line of scrimmage. But this is where Big Ben is great. Some quarterbacks in the NFL, they, they scramble to you know pick up those extra yards. Since he's not that much of a scrambler, he's moving to throw the ball down the field to create those windows. So Champ runs up which kind of leaves me exposed in kind of an intermediate area. Then Heinz Ward darts back across my face before I even I know it. As soon as he darts across my face, the ball is already in flight. So I only have a fraction of a second to react to the ball. So as I start to react, I don't get enough elevation on my jump. The ball sails over my hand. Heinz Ward, Heinz Ward that is, tap-toe the sideline, the back end zone. It's a touchdown for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the type of thing that Big Ben has given to the Pittsburgh Steelers. We haven't really seen that a lot this season, but this is the thing that kind of makes him a great quarterback. When we talk about elite quarterbacks, and I, and I really don't like to use that word, but when we talk about quarterbacks who play the game at a high level and when they go into any game, whether they are up or they're down, there's a belief system by the guys in the locker room that no matter what happens, he is going to right the ship. He's going to put us right where we need to. And this Pittsburgh Steelers team was kind of in a total disarray at the beginning of the season. We had the whole, whole anthem thing and then Antonio Brown and his frustration. But it seemed like over the past couple of weeks, B-Webb, they've been able to right their, their ship. And once again, they're right in the position that they're always in every single year for an opportunity to push the New England Patriots but Big Ben, you know, great competitor. Always love playing against him. But, uh, yes, he's definitely a Hall of Fame talent for sure. Spotlighting Ben Roethlisberger today is original team player presented by Miller Lite. So, Nick, you were describing one of the key attributes that makes Roethlisberger so effective. His ability to hang in the pocket, extend plays. Do you think that's teachable or is that really an innate skill? 
No, uh, th- th- that's just a skill. That's being in those situations where you are under duress and you're able to, you know, knock off defenders and move uh, the ball down the field. I mean, that's the reason why we call him Big Ben, not just because the fact of how tall and how massive he is as a man, but just the fact of how tough it is to really bring him down because I've seen guys uh, corralling Big Ben almost like a a lioness on a a water buffalo, and he's able to shake guys off and eyes are still down the field and deliver a bullet to his would-be receiver. And, And those are the things that you can't. Uh, coaches may try to, you know, simulate that in practice. And I've seen, you know, quarterback coaches, uh, quarter, so-called quarterback gurus use brooms and things like that to, you know, display or simulate the, the quarterback under pressure, sliding and moving in the pocket. But to me, in order to, to do that, you have to be in the game. You have to experience it yourself. That's something that has to be within you as a, a player. And Big Ben embodies all of those things. Ben Roethlisberger on his way to the Hall of Fame is today's original team player presented by Miller Lite. Nick, think about the chronology earlier this year. Steelers lost to the Patriots AFC title game in January. Following day, Roethlisberger goes on the radio in Pittsburgh saying he needed to take some time to decide if he wanted to continue playing football, but he came back for this season. Do you think this could be his final year, even if the Steelers don't win the Super Bowl? If you're wondering about the contract, he's got two more years left on the deal with big money on the way. Well, it could uh, definitely be that because he's he mentioned it at the end of last season in 2016. When he had his uh, game where he didn't perform that well, five interceptions against the Jacksonville Jaguars, when asked about it, he came out and said it again. And we could say, well... Maybe he was just kind of just throwing that out there as a frustrated quarterback. But no, when you start talking about retirement, mentally you've already had that conversation with your spouse and mentally you are just preparing yourself and preparing the team to move forward without you. I mean, you got to think about it. He's been playing in the league ever since he was a rookie. We just kind of highlighted that. And at playing that quarterback position, even though he's been very elusive and being able to avoid certain defenders, there are certain hits that he hasn't been able to avoid. You go back, I believe it was last year when they played the Miami Dolphins and he had that injury to a lower extremity. You know, those things take their toll. And with quarterbacks, the hits on quarterbacks are cumulative. So I know he's really thinking about that. You know, as a father and as a husband, you want to be able to have a life after football. Yeah, you've done a lot of things uh, as a football player and as a quarterback, a lot of endorsements, Pro Bowls, et cetera, Super Bowls. But at the end of the day, you still want to be able to move around for for your kids. So I think that is weighing heavily on his mind. And if you are uh, the Rooney family and Mike Tomlin, you have to really look at your roster and say, well, if we don't have Big Ben in 2018 or 2019, you know, where are we going? Are we going to go with the rookie out of Tennessee, Josh Dobbs? Or Landry Jones, and we've seen Landry Jones. We know that he is not the guy to lead this team forward. And and you have a great abundance of players on that team. That's why the win tonight, you know, is so important and so key for the Pittsburgh Steelers because each each week we go along in this 2017 season, the window is closing for the playoffs for the Pittsburgh Steelers and possibly for Big Ben and, the Pits, and, and Pittsburgh Steelers as an organization as a whole. Ben Roethlisberger looking to shine in primetime tonight, leading the Steelers against the Tennessee Titans. He's today's original team player presented by Miller Lite. This original team player segment has been presented by Miller Lite, the original light beer. Miller Lite, hold true. NFL No Huddle will be back right after this. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Patriots fans, Tom Brady's first audiobook, The TB12 Method, How to Achieve a Lifetime of Sustained Peak Performance, is now playing on TuneIn Premium. As I was running through my typical football training regimen, I knew one thing for sure. I'd never thrown the ball as well as I did that day. In this deeply practical athlete's Bible, listen in as the five-time champion reveals his revolutionary approach to sustained peak performance 
that has helped him stay at the top of his game. My ability to sustain my peak performance over the past 10 years is almost unbelievable to me. Filled with lessons learned from Brady's personal training experience, the TB12 method also advocates for more effective approaches to cognitive fitness, nutrition, and other lifestyle choices that dramatically decrease the risk of injury while amplifying performance and quality of life. TB12 method focuses on developing and maintaining something that many people have probably never heard of muscle pliability catch the tb12 method how to achieve a lifetime of sustained peak performance by tom brady on tune in premium today welcome back to nfl no huddle the podcast here are your hosts brian weber and cordell stewart as we close out nfl no huddle the podcast it's time for nick and i to tell you what we are more than sure is going to happen on thursday night football it takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always-changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. Nick, it's 6-3 and three, Tennessee on the road at 7-2 Pittsburgh. Both teams have won four straight. Here's a nugget that's not too positive statistically for the Titans. They've been outscored this season. Still, you were talking about time of possession earlier in terms of what the Saints use as a winning formula to beat Buffalo. Taking back to Sunday, Tennessee possessed the football for better than 40 minutes in their victory over Cincinnati. Can they duplicate that tonight? How do you see this game playing out in Pittsburgh? Well, when you look at the coaching staff, there's a lot of familiarity uh, with these coaching staffs and some guys who used to work for the Titans now work for the Steelers and vice versa. And Dick LeBeau, who's now uh, the defensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans, he's quite familiar with Ben Roethlisberger and, and that offense. It should be a great match tonight. Uh, both defensive units have definitely improved uh, thus far this season. But I'm going to lean heavily towards Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers, even though we look at two back-to-back games that they've won, but they've only scored 20 points. But this is a game that's best suited for the Pittsburgh Steelers and for them to kind of stay in the playoff race. They need this game. So I'm going to go with Pittsburgh 24-17. Got a minute 45 seconds left. You're watching games carefully. How does Marcus Mariota look to you? Do you think he's 100% coming back from that hamstring issue? No, he doesn't look like he is 100%. But, you know, to look where you look at his backup, and say, well, who's better? Well, Matt uh, Castle's not playing, hopefully. Exactly. So you're saying, well, do we want to put Castle in or we want to go with Marcus Mariota at 75 or 80%? Last week he looked definitely impressive. The, the hamstring seemed to have slowed him down slightly, but he was still able to make plays inside and out the side of the pocket with his legs. But he's definitely improved since last year, and they want to keep him healthy if they want to continue to keep their playoff hopes alive. Here's how I see it. Pittsburgh has a troubling tendency to play down to the level of competition. We all saw it on Sunday. They made the trip to Indy way too challenging. And I have some question marks now about that Steelers secondary as they were picked apart by Jacoby Brissett. Still, home game for the Steelers. They will shine in primetime. And I don't think Marcus Mariota is as effective as he can be because he's still a bit limited with the hamstring injury. Plus, Tennessee's got major defensive issues. That Steeler offense is going to come alive tonight. You can pick it between Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Le'Veon Bell, and even Martavis Bryant's been getting involved in the action as of what we saw on Sunday. Steelers are going to win it 31-17, and we'll break it down tomorrow when Cordell Stewart's back. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.